Welcome to the Joe Watt Podcast. I am Joe Vendramini from the Range Cattle Research and Education Center, and today our guest is Dr. Liz Steele. Liz, thanks for being with us today. Sure, thank you for having me. Liz, can you please introduce yourself and tell us about your background? Sure. So, uh, my name is Liz Steele, and I graduated from the University of Florida College of Veterinary Medicine in 2006. Um, I joined my father's large animal practice in Highlands County, and um, that practice is Ridge Large Animal. It's ex pretty much exclusively beef cattle practice. Um, I also own an equine facility and an equine veterinary practice in Hardy County. Um, been involved with the Florida Cattlemen's Association, honored to be a part of their executive committee for the past or five years and uh, just enjoy being able to live every day and serve an industry that I love. And, and Liz, you have a, a very diverse business where you work with large animals like a lot of horses and cattle. Today we will try to focus on cattle pretty much. And the first question that I would have is, can you please describe me what will be an ideal vaccination program for cows here in the state of Florida? Okay, so ideal is a, is a funny word because it obviously varies uh, from ranch to ranch and we're pretty honored to be able to care for a variety of ranches all the way from very large cow-calf operations to small purebred um, retired doctors, herds, and, and whatnot, and everything in between. So um, this this simple answer to that is that there is not a one-size-fits-all when it comes to vaccination programs, but we enjoy being able to develop one, and specifically for the cows, I know we're going to, you're probably going to ask me about heifers, but as long as they get a good start um, with a proper vaccination program, our goal with the cows is to booster them yearly so that they produce quality colostrum for their calves. And I think that um, one of the things that's been really important to us in our practice over the past several years is um, some research that we've been involved in, and it's inadvertently looked at uh, kind of some heat stress. And I believe that, you know, everyone's pretty aware of in Florida, we decide to um, gather and work our cattle in some pretty hot, humid client climates. Um, I think that personally that takes a really hard toll on these, these adult cows. So um, what we've kind of tried to advocate over the last few years, especially with seeing that um, a through a calf loss project, we inadvertently saw that an adult cow out in a pasture grazing, minding her own business, can run up to a 105 temperature doing nothing at all. So we have to question in our minds what that cow's temperature gets up to when we gather her in August, um, you know, have her in a set of pens and then process her, um, you know, and turn her back out. And I think Ona has also done some some work out there at the research station showing that that core body temperature doesn't fall after that daytime high until later in the evening time. So I, you know, I think that sometimes we can overdo it a bit 
by trying to booster all of the vaccines to the cow, you know, during one convenient time of the year. So, you know, as far as vaccinations go, we obviously like to cover the upper respiratories, the venereal diseases, and the clostridials as sort of a baseline. Um, but, you know, trying to split those up and, and decrease the stress associated with those cows by trying to do uh, some of the vaccination during cooler times of the year is something that we really feel is important. And, and Liz, um, for convenience, as you mentioned, a lot of people are reluctant to bring cattle to the cow pens for labor reasons or logistical reasons that are different reasons or just some people don't like it. So uh, with that in mind, so you have to bring the cows and now you have calves during that season. Let's say fallborn calf will be like from November to July, you'll be around the pasture. Um, so is that a calf program that you can also feed uh, with the cow vaccination program that will be effective and will avoid those hot months? Yeah, so in, in Florida with our breeding season, it's tough to avoid those hot months, you know, with the calves. Um, so, you know, we, we obviously like to try to work them, um, you know, in, in the fall um, and get that first set of boosters in there uh, for those calves. And that, you know, I, I understand it's easy for me to say, okay, let's, um, you know, when, when we work them a different time of the year, instead of, you know, when we, when we're, um, you know, just conveniently kind of running them through and parting off or, you know, put, taking the bulls up or putting them out or whatnot, it's, it definitely increases cost and labor to run them through the chute and process them at that time. And it's hard to pinpoint and put an actual value on what, the stress um, adds up to and what the ineffectiveness of a vaccine would add up to um, by by changing some of that protocol and I but I think that you know in the least we can we can try to stop giving everything all at one time and um, you know and 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 you know split those between two different you know, workings. I mean, that cow's always, in most situations, she's going to have hands laid on her, you know, at least twice a year. So utilizing that to, um, you know, split those vaccines up. Um, in the calves, you're, you're, you know, you're kind of limited in, you know, when the, the season is and when the, you know, optimal time to get that first vaccine is, um, you know, so, so that, you know, that certainly plays a little bit of a restriction there. And Liz, now uh, moving to the heifers, so would you, because our business here in growing animals is pretty much replacement heifers, right? right? That's what we keep at the property. We have very little producers, a few amount, a few producers that will have some stalkers, but that's not common. So replacement heifers, so would you have a program for replacement heifers? Yeah, and I, you know, I love getting my hands on these programs for the, the heifers because I feel like that's one of the time, only times in their life that you can get them off to the right foot and be able to incorporate, you know, a modified live component in the beginning uh, without having to expose you know, a, a calf on their side or a pregnancy. So it's kind of an exciting time because if you do implement a program um, for those girls and give them the right start, I really feel like it sets them up for longevity and for a successful reproductive life. 
and Liz, if the producer decide to breed a heifer as a yearling, 14 months, or if they decide to breed as a two-year-old, regardless, do you think the vaccination program should change based on that decision, or it will be the same? Um, I, I think it's probably going to be pretty much the same. You know, we like to get, you know, our goal is to, and based on the, the cow's vaccination program, but basically targeting um, that immune system when maternal antibodies um, are decreasing and when um, that proper timing is. So most in most programs, you're going to have them um, vaccinated and boosted, you know, before they before they hit that 12-month mark. So if their program is to let those girls get a little bit older before they introduce the bull, if you wanted to tweak your timing for your venereal disease boosters, uh, that might be one thing you modify. But as far as everything else goes, you've pretty much got those bases covered before they get to that 12-month mark. And, and going back probably to the calves again, um, some of the producers, you, you hear that quite often that, they don't really get really concerned about those vaccination programs at weaning or before weaning because when they go to the feedlot, they will have their own program there and they will be exposed to that program. So would you have any comments regarding? Yeah, you know, I think that that's a, a gray area that um, is is sometimes overlooked because I worry about that too. You know, if some of our producers sell directly to the, you know, specific buyers and feed yards, and some of them retain ownership. So they're obviously in direct communication uh, back and forth so that that animal doesn't receive more than it needs, but yet has it at the appropriate times and when stress is low. Uh, so I like that because all parties um, have a vested interest in that animal from start to finish. A lot of the, um, you know, producers, superior, the places that, you know, sell calves for people have good incentive programs in place to where um, the buyers uh, know that they're buying a calf for a premium because it has already received, while on its mother, um, its first round of vaccines. So they're, they're going to already know what they're going to you know, prep for when that calf arrives and jump right into that program. I think the gray area is the ones that, you know, aren't sold through those two different types of avenues, um, you know, where the, the producer may say, well, you know, I, I'm not really sure where these calves are going to go, you know, afterwards. Um, what benefit is it to me to get this first round in when, when they may or may not, you know, expand upon what I've already done? Um, and that, you know, that's the area where I think the, the buyers that buy those types of calves, they know that they're, um, you know, buying an unknown history um, and treat them accordingly. So, you know, of course, I love from a veterinary standpoint, the ones that get the right start and then that's carried on. Um, you know, in the appropriate program where everybody's involved and communicates. And that's probably the majority of the calves that we see uh, sold are, you know, have that, that beginning to them. And considering those that uh, do not vaccinate the herd at all, so for multiple reasons that doesn't, you know, the, it's not the opportunity to talk about that. But what are the problems that you have seen? Yeah, so, you know, that's, it's a, 
a disaster when we see something from that. I mean, a lot of people can, I guess you can say, get away with not vaccinating um, for a number of years. But in my experience, it has always caught up with them in one way or another and ultimately costed more than before. I'll give you an example. There was a, a producer that sold some calves in loads and um, had quite a, a number, a significant number of BVDPI positives the feed lot that he, that those loads were sold to test upon arrival and they found those and so they came back to the ranch and of course the rancher calls the veterinarian and says what do I do and when looking into the program there has not been a vaccination program put in place for a number of years so we now have a disaster because we have cow we have PI shedding animals um, in the herd um, and we have we have basically um, calves on the ground and calves in utero that we now have to figure out the best way to test and cull and then protect him from there on out. And I can tell you that there has been a huge expense to remedy that type of situation and not to mention trying to earn back the trust of the um, of the the buyer and the and and the you know the the middle middleman situation sold sold those calves so um, that's just one example of many where um, you know you ultimately get um, get caught where it's a little more expensive to not have it than to have it and and Liz we are uh, going towards the end of our conversation here and I'd like to ask you when you are not working that I think you don't have a lot of spare time left but what what are your hobbies or things that you like to do with family Sure. No, um, I have to laugh at that because um, a, a a working mother, um, any any working mother would 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 say, yeah, the the dream of having a time for a hobby afterwards would be great. But no, I you know our family is is um, we first and foremost give what we have to God to our faith. Um, and then our, obviously our family, our career. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a mom, a wife and a, a veterinarian and I enjoy every day of it. When we do get, uh, time away, we enjoy spending it with our family on our boat or fishing or just enjoying the outdoors. That's great. Uh, Liz, I would like to thank you very much for participating in the podcast today. I am Joe Vendramini. Joe what? <laughs>